and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If you were 12 years of age or younger and you would like to, please join me up front. Hey, guys. How are you? Gather around. So, this is the season of Epiphany. Can you say Epiphany? Epiphany. Epiphany. And we're doing a sermon series throughout this entire season. Today is week two of, was it five or six? I don't know. But there's a lot of them. We're going to be doing this all through Epiphany. And I want to ask you a question that's super hard. Are you ready? Ready? Raise your hand if you speak English. Everybody. I thought it was going to be worse than that. Now, by raising your hand, I want you to tell me, who taught you to speak English? Raise your hand and tell me. Your parents? What about you? Your parents? Parents? Grandfather? Parents didn't teach you to speak English? (laughs) Okay. But it sounds like, like your parents are teaching you English, right? So whenever you were a baby, did your parents put you like in a baby English class? No. Well, that, wait, but if your parents didn't put you in the baby English class, does that mean your parents, they must be like English teachers? Are they English teachers? Oh, so you're just listening to other people talking English? That's it. So you didn't go to... Okay, so you didn't go to a baby English class? No. And your parents aren't like certified English teachers? Just for free. Because they're, they're kind. Now, so, but now if you're, so your parents taught you to speak English, right? How did they learn how to speak English? Did they go to baby English class? No. no? Is baby English class even a thing? No. No, okay. Maybe. Maybe. How, how did they learn how to speak English? How did your parents learn? From their parents. From their parents. Where did their parents learn? Oh, I'm seeing a pattern emerge. Let me get this straight. You don't have to be an English teacher in order to teach a baby how to speak English, right? All you need to do is speak English, speak the English that you know, and the baby will start speaking English too? That's how it works? Can I tell you something? There's something in our gospel text today that's exactly like this. I want you to go back to your seats and I want you to listen for it, okay? We find ourselves this morning in the opening chapters of our church year, and so it should come as no surprise that today's gospel text covers the opening moments of Christ's ministry. In the verses that directly precede our gospel text today, Jesus calls Andrew and Peter, two of his very first disciples, and in today's text, he repeats that process by calling two more, Philip and Nathaniel. And we know these stories, we understand what's happening in them. Jesus is calling a group of men to follow him and to be his disciples. But have you ever really stopped to think about what that means? Now listen, I know you've heard about and thought about calling and discipleship many, many times. There have been an ocean of ink that's been spilled over these ideas. Countless sermons I'm sure you've heard on how to discern what your calling is, how to know what God is calling you to. Countless books and curriculums on discipleship, how to effectively employ discipleship and strategies and all the different methods. 
But this morning, I have no intention of doing anything like that. You're welcome. (laughs) And look, before I start (laughs) saying anything else, uh, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that approach, with those books or any sermons like that, and I'm not saying they're not useful and they don't have a place in the conversation. What I'm saying is I think far too often we begin a conversation about calling and discipleship without addressing the foundations on which they're built. Take the idea of calling, for instance. The most common way I hear calling discussed has to do with what your vocation is. I hear things like, the Lord has called me to be a teacher. The Lord has called me to be a nurse. The Lord's called me to be a priest. Sometimes before a person has found their career, they may say things, they may say things like, I don't know what my calling is. And of course, the Lord can call you into a profession. The Lord can pick you up and move your whole family to Fort Worth, Texas, if that's what he wants. Of course, these are legitimate examples of what a calling from the Lord can look like. But this morning, I want to introduce a bit of nuance into this conversation about calling. And my hope is that this simple nuance can give us a new framework to think about it. You see, I do think God can call you into jobs and vocations. But I don't think he does it because the world needs another nurse or a teacher or even a priest. I don't think the purpose of your calling is for God to give you a position or a title. I don't think the purpose of your calling is for God to give you a job or an income. I don't think God has called us to anything, anything, because I don't think God calls us to things at all. I think God calls us to himself. And here's why that simple nuance matters. If God has called you to be a nurse, if God has called you to be a teacher, then God is bringing something into your life that will accomplish bringing you closer to him. Why did he call you to be a teacher or a nurse or a priest or a mom or a dad? Because inhabiting those positions will bring you closer to him. Inhabiting those positions will cause you to see him a little clearer. And your proximity to him is the point, not the means by which he accomplishes it. And understanding that nuance, understanding that the means of your calling may be your vocation, but the ends of your calling is God himself. That should change how you understand this simple, simple word. If later today someone says to you, I need to talk to you, I don't know what my calling is. You can humbly reply, oh, that's easy. I know exactly what your calling is. Your calling is to walk side by side with the Lord himself. That is your calling. Now let's sit down and talk about what the Lord might use to accomplish that. And when you look at our gospel text, the understanding of calling jumps right off the page. When Jesus calls his disciples, what two words did he use? Follow me. The call of Jesus was for these men to come to him, not to a position, not to a place. The call of Jesus was for these men to come to a person. And you know what's funny? That understanding of calling allows us to understand its connection to discipleship. Let us agree that if your calling is about going to God, then a disciple is one who has answered that call. 
If we're going to talk about discipleship before we say anything else, let us agree that discipleship is primarily about the life of Jesus being formed in us. Before we talk about discipleship strategies and methods, before we talk about discipleship programs and workbooks, can we agree that whatever else calling and discipleship are, at their foundation, they are about God calling you to himself for the explicit purpose of making you look like him. I don't know what you're thinking. It's easy for you to say, Bubba, you're a priest. You went to seminary. I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I haven't been trained in all of the stuff, so how in the world can I disciple someone? Well, adults, raise your hand if you speak English. Something tells me that the vast majority of those hands are attached to people who did not learn English from English teachers. We learned to speak English because English was spoken to us. And I think discipleship works the same exact way. You want your children to speak English? Then let them hear you speak it first. Let them hear you speak it to them. You want to see Christ formed in your children? then show them a life being conformed to that image. You want to see Christ formed in your schools and communities? Then go and live His life in and amongst those places. Allow the nature and quality of the life of Jesus to begin rubbing off on those around you because that's how this calling and discipleship thing seemed to work. C.S. Lewis likened the spread of God's life into the world as a form of good infection. He said this, Now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have His way, come to share in the very life of Jesus Christ. If we do, we shall then be sharing in a life which was begotten, not made, which always existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God, and if we share in His life, we also shall be sons of God. And we shall love the Father as Christ does, and the Holy Ghost will arise in us. And that is the whole point. Jesus came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men that kind of life. He does this by what I call good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian, the whole point of being a Christian, is simply nothing else.